This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, and it is a great day to be saving energy and saving money no matter where you find yourself today. I'm Tim Eccles, the host of Energy Matters, and in the studio with me, as always, my co-host, former state representative and energy expert, John Noel. John, how's it going? Fine and dandy, sir. I hope folks are thinking about energy today. We always advertise that they can get a continuing education credit just by listening to our show. <laughs> it's a it's a funny line. It was a funny line then. It's a funny line now. And helping them save money, especially when things uh, are hot and 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 we have hot weather, it's important for them to have had an energy audit to be looking at their systems and making sure that those things are working properly. We've got in the studio with us today John McFarlane, a previous guest. And John McFarlane works with Working Buildings, LLC. Welcome back, John. Thanks for being here. And you guys are focused mainly on energy efficiency, uh, particularly on the commercial side, right? That's right. And you do building commissionings and other things and helping companies be able to make sure that they're being a good steward of what they have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so good to have you. And first-time guest, and John, one of our sponsors, um, Alden Hathaway. He's a senior VP for business development with Sterling Energy Assets. And I guess, Alden, first, we just both, John and I both want to say thank you for for being a sponsor of our show. Well, we thank you for inviting us, Commissioner and and John. Uh, Particularly, we want to just thank you also for your leadership in energy policy in the state of Georgia, both as an advocate for clean energy technology and for policy efforts at the Georgia PSC that it's going to enable us to uh, develop these projects that I'm going to talk about today. We thank you. It's yeah. pretty progressive stuff. And I mean, you know, I give Tim a good ribbon because he's a Republican and he, you know, doesn't know what he's talking about half the time. But he is very progressive on all these kind of things. And I am so grateful that, that he is. And I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing and he's supporting it. Yeah, so we want to we want to kick off uh, this conversation talking about something called biomass, and uh, uh, not too long ago I was at the biomass convention welcoming them to our state. It was an international convention, about nine hundred folks from all around the world, uh, and uh, the speaker that first uh, that first talked talked about Georgia being this wood basket and 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 having such an impact even on what's going on in europe because of uh, the southeastern states that provide wood pellets for england uh and uh, I, I had a chance to go over to selby england and and look at one of those drax power stations but you guys have been involved with some biomass projects tell us a little bit about what biomass is and what you guys were involved with well uh, biomass uh, is the conversion of uh woody biomass, wood waste, uh, recycled uh, waste wood products into energy, generally through the combustion of the wood waste in uh, uh, boilers that uh, produce steam, and that steam turns a turbine and generates electricity. You know, when I was at that Drax power station, the plant manager said that they had tried a lot of different type of feedstock there. In fact, they were paying people from all around the area to bring different things so they could try whether it's bamboo or switchgrass or corn husk or pecan shells they were trying things because they were trying to learn the characteristics of these things and they wound up settling on wood pellets but when you talk about woody biomass it could be any number of different feedstocks right it sure could uh tim it it it, it involves capturing the wood, especially waste wood products that go into landfills before they go into landfills, and using them as a feedstock for uh, generating our electricity. You see, if we allow that wood waste to rot and decay, it releases a much more potent greenhouse gas called methane. Uh, So we get a big benefit in the environment by getting that wood waste and converting it to energy. And of course, then as energy, it also displaces other energy sources that might have a higher carbon intensity. So it's a very big win for the environment. But it's a Georgia natural resource here in Georgia, one of the larger states with a, a bio wood 
waste resource that we can use for energy. Now, there are a lot of people that take issue with that last statement it's a, that, it, that it is a good it's Georgia recess, resource, no question, but that it is environmentally friendly. Uh, from what I see of a lot of the stuff, it is burning uh, you know, trees, it is deforesting areas, and it's not a wood waste product. And, and I, don't, I love taking something out of, the, out of the landfill, but I don't see that. I see most of the feedstock coming from virgin uh, forests. Yeah, you know, John, I was riding through East Georgia. You know, I do this regularly going back and forth to Savannah, and my GPS takes me through Warrington and down through Waynesboro and kind of on that, on that side of, of the state. And there are lots of fields that have that where the timber has been harvested. Mm. And what's laying left in that field, uh, and you can see it right there from the road, it's, it's stumps, it's limbs, it's tops of trees. And it's tiny, thin pine trees that that they didn't want to cut and didn't want to put on the truck. And they just left those. They didn't even cut them. And, you know, coming up with a way to utilize this material so that it's not bulldozed and had kerosene or diesel poured on it and burned right there in the field. I mean, doesn't it make sense to you that if we're going to harvest if we're going to harvest stuff so that you will have toilet paper you use toilet paper right you use tissue right that's right you use paper it's in front of you right recycled yeah so so you're using you're using this paper recycled yeah you're using this you're using this paper that's coming from these georgia pine trees but the stuff left over shouldn't we have some kind of value proposition to use i love it my point is i think that a lot of what's getting burned is not it's virgin trees that's what I and 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 I mean I've seen documentaries that are showing that there is there is uh, you know virgin land that's getting cut and I so, think it's a problem and so, it's in Georgia we got to be, be protecting that not so, cutting it you know we had a conversation in a previous episode about birds right yeah. about the difference between a songbird and a chicken right. and the fact that you don't eat songbirds <laughs> right. but you do eat chicken and you don't right. have a problem with that right well is there a difference between a pine <laughs> forest right right and say those live oak trees in the big middle difference. of Liberty I'll, or Oglethorpe I in Savannah. You, I grant you it's a big difference. Yeah. So do you have yeah. a tr- do you have trouble yeah. cutting those pine trees like you like you eat your eat your chicken? Not as much trouble. Not as much trouble. So no. those trees aren't as valuable to you. Uh, I, I'll admit it. I think uh, my other environmental friends might disagree with that, but I'm but I'll, I that moves into the more of the forestry area, and I'm more sympathetic to their argument. It is the virgin forest that I really want to protect. And I'm seeing evidence that some of them are getting cut to go over to plants like this Drax plant. So yeah, that so makes me nervous. Let me let me go back to to you, Alden. Uh, you know, we're having this argument about trees. Is there a difference between a forest between a a, a forest in Asheville, North Carolina? You know, outside, outside the Biltmore House, and a forest down in Albany, Georgia. You know, that that's growing pine trees. That one day they'll just replant them and grow them again. I mean, I, how should we view this? Well, I, I, fortunately, I don't think we have to solve this problem. I think it's been solved by the EPA that recognizes renewable energy that comes from forests that are under management, that mm. are maintained for uh, these kinds of purposes. And if it's a, if it's a forest that's grown primarily if with fast woods to soak up the carbon quickly and harvested and maintained that way, then it gets recognized by the EPA as a renewable resource through their renewable energy program. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they still promote uh, biomass to all their national green power partners. Now, yes, there is a difference between hard growth, long growth uh, hardwoods like up in Hickory, North Carolina, as you were suggesting. And those old growth trees have a lot of carbon stored up in them. You don't just want to cut them down. Um, without some kind of management plan. Um, But I believe that also here at the University of Georgia, we have a forestry uh, group that is in charge of maintaining the forestry standards for healthy forests so that we don't clear cut hard growth trees, uh, hardwood trees, but but use the forest thinnings from maintained forests for the purposes of our biomass. Let's talk about this this comment that you made about trees gobbling up co2 right so john we have arguments all the time about co2 whether it's good whether it's bad but we our guest just said that these trees consume yes co2 is that a good thing or a bad thing i think it's a great thing yeah. we need to plant more trees to consume more co2 because your republican buddies want to keep polluting the planet with it so alden if i take a tree a fast growing tree that's correct right if i take a fast growing tree and i cut that tree down what impact does it have on the environment or on CO2? 
Well, if you replace it with a fast-growing tree, it's neutral. Because that, that new fast-growing tree will replace the carbon that the old fast-growing tree was originally soaking up. Mm. So as long as you're maintaining, replanting those fast-growing trees with more fast-growing trees, you'll be carbon neutral. And you monitor that. Like, that's part of one of the things you do. So when you sell those credits, we don't. We're not it. the police on that. What we right. do is we go through folks like Greeny and uh, the EPA's Green Power Partnership Program to make sure that the biomass renewable energy that we're selling meets the standards of of replaced growth trees such that so carbon is net neutral and it's not uh, it, it's important to recognize that all trees if not taken once they're dead and used for something they will decay and release methane and that's even far worse than the carbon you know and John this is why John Noel this is why I am on such a tirade for us to do more biomass in southwest Georgia mm-hmm. where we have millions and millions and millions of tons of trees laying on the ground from a hurricane. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm for that. Uh, like, like I wish we had more uh, biomass activity down there right now with that with that in situation. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you really sad, John, mm. and that is that under Republican leadership in the state, mm. right, uh, since, since the time you were in the legislature, when the thing was run by Democrats, uh, we actually have more trees growing in terms of millions of acres than we did under the Democrats. I mean, how do you feel about that? Um, I'd want to fact check that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about yeah. that, but it's, okay. Yeah, so it's only a couple of million more acres. I mean, it's not like it's a gigantic amount. but Well, but, it's good. I mean, more trees is better. I'm pro-tree, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, this is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. We're, when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about Good trees and bad trees, fast trees and slow trees, and uh, and other... And tree huggers. Yeah, and tree huggers, uh, who we want to cut down. No, just teasing. <laughs> I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to gemcarservice.com. That's G-E-M, carservice.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854, Row Insulating Company. Rope. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters. John, we've got in the studio with us uh, the Senior VP for Business Development down at Sterling Energy Assets, Alden Hathaway. Alden, welcome back to this segment. Thank you. And also John McFarland. Who's an owner of the working buildings. I mean, this guy's started the thing, right? Yeah, John McFarland uh, with Working Buildings, LLC. And we talked in this last segment about biomass and actually burning it for energy, but John McFarland there's a building trend to, called mass timber construction that's actually using it in buildings. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so what we were talking about earlier was, you know, we, we, we grow these fast-growing trees, we absorb the carbon. One, one use could be to cut them down, burn them. You know, we create some new carbon, but, but then we, we reabsorb that. Another, another thing is you take that wood, you cut it down, and you turn it into lumber, and you put that into the buildings. And those buildings last 25, 50, 100 years, You've now sequestered all of that carbon. You've say, you've pulled the carbon out of the atmosphere and you've put it into a building. It's not going anywhere. You grow, and then you plant another tree, absorbs more carbon. And what we've seen home, wood construction in homes for a long, long time, and it's still it's still the predominant use. What we're seeing changing now in the commercial building world is the use of what they call mass timber construction. So that is using wood for building commercial buildings. Um, in in Atlanta, there's there's two buildings currently being built right now 
that are using mass timber construction. One is at Georgia Tech, the Candida building, uh, and the other is a commercial office building at Atlantic Station. Um, I know of another project that's going to be coming up soon that will be another wood construction. And the exciting thing is the building code has recently changed to allow up to eight-story building construction in wood. So that can be a whole lot of wood that the state of Georgia could grow, turn it into lumber, and we put it into our buildings here in the state and, and then send that lumber elsewhere to, to encourage this, this building practice elsewhere. You know, Alden, you know, in the previous segment I was teasing John about – about you know the number of acres you know that that is in pine trees in our state but I, I think with all of the mass solar arrays that we're currently building and and there are going to be many more some of this is being built on land that previously uh, grew timber I mean sterling energy assets are you guys seeing uh, a trend towards more solar or solar with batteries? What, As you look into the future, what's it going to be in a state like ours? Well, we're seeing a big trend in solar on buildings, more and more on buildings, using up that roof space that is otherwise vacant uh, with uh, solar to help power the load in the state, uh, or the load in the building in particular. And in fact, uh, we're seeing much more focus on looking at the load and the renewable supply married together in the same place. Because when you put solar on a building, you also take care to make sure the building is energy efficient and has uh, the, the ability to carry itself through to the lowest cost energy input that it's got to buy when it's got to buy more energy from the electric grid. And that often means also electric storage. Uh, but in particular, we've seen when, it, when the focus was just solar only and no emphasis on, say, the loads that we're powering, such as when, when we're doing utility-scale solar and in the field or whatever, we're not focused on the load side. Well, then the load factor gets out of whack with the distribution and transmission system. Uh, but by applying it to the buildings, and states are beginning to see that now, they can, they can improve the load factor in such a way that it actually reduces the cost of the distribution. You know, one of the things that I've been pestering Georgia Power about now for a couple years uh, is is rooftop solar in very congested areas and when i say congested i don't mean car traffic i, I mean uh, i mean grid traffic mm. and and putting solar you know in in buildings that are some of our heaviest users you know how do we how do we get solar put into a place alden like buckhead you know where there's not a lot of vacant land and I mean, the, the footprint for a commercial office building is not that large, relatively speaking, to the, to, the, right. to the load. So, um, you know, how, I mean, it, this is a real problem, but there doesn't seem to be any, any solution. I mean, how, how, how do we do this? Is it well, just vo the volume of roofs that get solar? You know, I, I, I think that, uh, interestingly enough, uh, our chairman did pioneer this when he was a treasurer at Georgia Power with the Atlanta Natatorium, this 1996 Summer Olympics. That's wow. a downtown That's swimming event. And you might well with solar, solar PV, PV as too. well. In fact, for 10 years, it was the largest building integrated solar site in the world. Wow. Where solar on the building in a downtown area that could power the entire swimming events for the 96 Olympics. And I think we've lost sight of the fact that, wait a minute, it, just modest changes in building design Integrating solar into the sides and the roofs of the buildings can convert those buildings into power plants where they stand. So we don't need to just think about rooftops. We can think about the glazing of the sides of the buildings, the windows, and so forth. can be PV material. So, John Great. Noel, you've recently been to Korea. You've been to China a couple times. You've seen mm. glazing on buildings. you see yeah. any kind of cool technology where they're using the side of buildings? Yes, to I met with a company in Israel about five years ago that uh, was actually embedded into the, um, into the glass. So the glass becomes a solar panel. Um, and, and that's five years ago. The technology now is, as he says, there's some glazing. There's even talk of this paint. You've probably heard about this, this literally being able to paint on a solar panel. Now, that's pretty cool, and that's not that far away. Yeah, so John McFarlane, Alden, you know, talked about, you know, buildings and their potential. What's holding the code back, or what's holding developers or architects back from adding more solar to these commercial buildings? It really comes down to economics on that. I mean, if the economics are there, then they're going to do it. Um, so it's the pricing of the solar, and as the solar prices have come down, that's where we're seeing more and more of our the projects that we work on. They're looking at 
adding solar and, and potentially maximizing how much they can do because the economics are starting to really align with, and I'm not talking about, you know, people who are, who are going to accept a 15-year payback. These are, these are developers who, who need a three- to five-year payback, and they, they're seeing that, that show up now. So I think we're going to see more of it. I agree. Roofs, build, commercial building roofs are a tough sell because there's a lot of other stuff up there as well that gets in the way of the solar panels. Um, but I think where, where we're going to see more is on parking decks and parking lots. I think if you really look at the area available for solar panels in a, in a congested, as you said, a congested area, it's, it's parking decks and parking These lots. These are spaces that are already dead already. I mean, they're, 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 all they're doing is parking a car. Yep. They're, just, they're, they're right. out of the mainstream. So, so no then, tree. Then it becomes designing the ones that are being designed to be solar ready. I think that is the critical thing is we design to be solar ready so that when whatever economics need to be in place, they can put it on without having to do a lot of retrofit. Well, Alden, uh, you know, when you think about uh, the future and having buildings that are more that are built solar ready, uh, you think about batteries that are coming, you know, down the line, the investment tax credit that's sitting out there. I mean, everywhere I go now uh, in terms of conferences and meeting with other commissioners, uh, I am out of state here. I'm, I'm talking I'm talking more and more about adding these batteries to these utility scale solar arrays and basically allowing solar to to provide an additional couple of hours to the grid making them more functional i mean do you see do you see a big wave in this or do i mean you deal with a lot of wrecks and helping company with wrecks do you see companies wanting to do the real thing or wanting wrecks more more often well i, I the the real thing as far as wrecks go and i, I want to just counter that wrecks is themselves are the currency for renewable energy on the grid. It means that you don't have it on site, but you bought it from somebody that does, does. have it on site. Mm. They have the ability to sell it. But yes, the answer to the question is we see a lot more companies that want to have on-site renewable energy. And I don't think it's just for the renewable, although that's a big part because they often have goals they've made to the EPA partnership program or they've They've got other commitments to reduce their carbon footprint, but a lot of them also are beginning to look at this in terms of a resiliency factor. We want to make sure we have our own energy resources in place in case the power goes out or there's some other issue like it you know, was seen at the Atlanta airport a couple of years ago. Uh, so battery storage is big, uh, particularly in, in the West. We're seeing a lot of what we call microgrid interest, where we put generation battery storage, and energy efficiency together in a, a complete grid of buildings that may be on that microgrid. And it's really a resiliency factor uh, more than any, is anything else. The renewable is a big part of it, but it's for power resiliency. So if the power goes down in that instance, then you just go to the battery, and then the, and then the building is smart enough, and it goes, well, you know, maybe we don't need to leave it at 69 degrees in this building. We'll let that increase in temperature a little bit up. I mean, so there's ways that the building can begin to tweak and use less power in addition to being just a very energy efficient building. I mean, John, you talk a lot about you know being off the grid, being independent, not dependent upon the power sticking company. Sticking it to the man. Don't sticking it to the man mm -hmm. is 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 how you seem to say it. Mm. Uh, but do you see microgrids as being a way for corporations to quote stick it to the man, or is it more practical than that? I you know I I do. Uh, these industrial parks are a great example. They've got tons of land. Many of the industrial parks in many parts of Georgia have been built. They have excess capacity of land. They have some demand, significant demand from some of the businesses there. Why couldn't they allocate some of that land to solar and batteries and use that become essentially their own micro utility? I was recently at a conference that had a panel of solar and storage experts and they were trashing utilities left and right and i mm, my kind I, of people i raised my hand now you can imagine uh, you know <laughs> I, was, I was having to hold myself back i raised my hand and i said you know not every state do people hate their utilities uh these guys were Just from most the, these guys were from san francisco yeah, yeah, right. yeah? And, and, and they were right. uh and and, and of I, course. Had, I had to take them to task that yeah. you know that i live in a state where we try to play nicely together where we right. try to build rapport you know we want people we want the power company getting the jd power award we want consumers having high customer satisfaction right right so when we come back oh. uh yeah let's let's talk more with alden about some of these things that he's doing these carbon offset these white tags these uh these load factor tags uh all the things alden that you guys are that are working on 
especially with companies that seem to be confusing. Uh, and we'd like to break it down. Uh, let's keep John McFarlane around as well. And let's continue to talk about how folks can save money, how they can use technology and live a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles at, uh, at Tim Eccles on Twitter. John, you're at New, New Energy, Energy Guy. Guy. We'll be mm-hmm. back in just a minute. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your one, two, or five dollar checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by the Racy Anderson Highway. Hey, I'm Tim Eccles, and welcome back to Energy Matters. We want to help you save money uh, to use technology and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. And I've got guests that care about that, too. John Noel, my co-host, former state representative and energy expert. I know, John, that you think about this kind of thing all the time, and you're living it. I do. I, I, I love it. I mean, I'm sitting here checking on my phone. What's my solar production? How much are we throw into the batteries? What's the house using? And if it's using too much, then I get on and I turn things off. Yeah. And, all from the phone. And, and folks, you can get rebates for these Nest thermostats and, and other things, and we certainly want you to consider it because as you listen to our show, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to maybe know you're going to learn some things that you didn't even know existed out there. We want to help you with that. John McFarland back with us here in the studio, and John has uh, has done a number of commissionings for commercial buildings uh, through his company, Working Buildings LLC. Welcome back, John. Thanks, Tim. And uh, Alden Hathaway here from Sterling Energy Assets, and you guys are in the Avalon uh, building, aren't you? Uh, over, we are over in Alpharetta, the Georgia. New development of Avalon. Went, uh, we're building another. 11-story tower just outside our office door. Yeah, and you guys you guys have chargers, car chargers over there. I think I charged my car over there one time when I was visiting with you guys. And I, I drive an EV, and I charge all the time Yeah, uh, because I can drive on gas, but I'd rather use a Georgia resource to power my car than uh, a resource that's imported. Yeah. My well, kind we, of guy. We, we talked about RECs, Renewable Energy Credits, and it's something that you guys have really become an expert in. And frankly, when I got to the commission, I just, it, in 2011, I didn't understand that much about them. I met with you all a number of times. You kind of walked me through and, and, and helped me understand that, well, RECs aren't really valuable here in georgia like they are in other states uh, break that down for our audience uh, today and then we've got some questions for you well the idea of a renewable energy certificate or rec as it's called uh, is actually it's the currency of renewable energy it was defined as such uh and fortunately with the epa backing with their green power partnership program given some real credence because they allow RECs to be used for companies that wanted to buy green power back in the day when uh, green power was just a thought not a lot of utilities offered any way for a company to be able to get green power unless they wanted to put uh, solar up on their own facility. And even now in Georgia, it's not profitable to put solar up because the, the utility only buys back at the wholesale value rate, which is about one-third the value that they would pay for electricity. So uh, without that, the only way to participate in renewable energy is to buy renewable energy from people that can put renewable on their on uh, facilities wind or solar or biomass uh, and they don't need the the energy because they've got all they need so they're selling the excess energy off but the electrons aren't going to go where they want to if you want to buy green electrons but your source is a wind plant in oklahoma you aren't going to get the electrons but fortunately with the rec you don't have to that's uh you buy the renewable energy credit which is an attestation that clean renewable energy went on the grid in your name uh placed on the grid in Oklahoma, for that matter, and then uh, you took it and greened up your electricity by using it to offset the electricity you use. That's what a REC is. So when a company buys a REC, 
uh, renewable energy certificate. Uh, it's not a credit. It's a certificate. Uh, when they buy this certificate, is it is it increasing the cost of their overall electricity by 10%, 20%, 50%, 100%? Well, it it uh, depends on the rec. It is an additional cost to the electricity because you're still buying the electrons from your host utility, whoever your utility is. And so the rec is an extra transaction you're making. Uh, but recs are uh, price. Solar tends to be more expensive than, say, wind, which tends to be more expensive than, say, biomass, which tends to be more expensive than hydro. Hydro is some of the lowest cost recs on the marketplace. Um, and in certain markets where they have a high demand for them, the prices can be higher. Falls supply and demand. But something like community solar, which we've talked about on the show before, we're in the shadow of Walton EMC, and they have the they have the cooperative solar down there. And we're uh, on the other side of Athens and Comer. We've got a Georgia Power community solar project where residential listeners uh, to our show can go to georgiapower.com forward slash solar, and they can buy a block or a kilowatt of energy. How do you feel about community solar and and why isn't it more popular? Well, we do support community solar. Uh, uh, community solar really need to recognize is essentially a rec-based program. The, the, the solar is put in place in a, in a location that's far away. The electrons don't get to you. Uh, but the environmental attribute value of that solar energy is transferred to you via the utility that's running the community solar program. But why don't more people participate in it? I think people do like to see their renewable energy right outside. They like to see and know that it's literally directly powering their home, their building, their facility. And I think that's the thing that you don't quite get over if you're just buying recs. So, Alden, i got a question for you. I've got a little solar thermal system at my house, but overall my roof is just too shaded to put to make PV, make photovoltaics effective. As a homeowner, can I go to – can I buy recs, or is this only available for commercial – commercial buildings. Well, yes, RECs are available for anybody that wants to buy them. We sell RECs uh, uh, to individuals that go to our website that want to sign up for RECs. Sterlingplanet.com. Yes. Uh, We also sell RECs through various utility programs. Uh, We don't sell through the Georgia Power Program. They operate their own program, which is essentially a REC-based program, which you can buy green power from them. Uh, But we do have a number of utilities that we actually do uh, support their green power programs, and they sign up uh, with us through them for their green power, and it's rec-based. So, so it smells to me like the best way to do it would be go through Sterling Planet, and I don't just say that because you're an advertiser. I say that because I like cutting through the middleman, and and uh, I, you're you're buying directly at the source, and that smells to me like a deal. So uh, let me ask you, Alden, uh, you know, yeah. virtual things like Bitcoin or, uh, you know, I mean, recs feel – to, to oh, me, they feel to, fuzzy for you, don't they? They, they, I know this actually. they, they, they feel. I mean, who, who's policing this? How do I know that that certificate that I have for that wreck is has, hasn't been sold to someone else or wasn't photocopied? Yeah, it wasn't run through the copier. I, how do I? How, how can I trust it? Sure. I, I, obviously, uh, a wreck is you know uh, a product that has to be at least recognized by some federal agency. Uh, uh, or, or uh, and register, uh, and maybe some third-party organization that makes sure you're not just selling something that's not a not really a wreck, or is from a source that, that we wouldn't consider renewable energy. And there are sources that do that. EPA, for instance, the Green Power Partnership Program, uh, is is not a regulator of wrecks, but they recognize wrecks that are registered and certified through the Green E program that's run out of the West Coast. Uh, they will also willingly uh, uh, consider other certification entities. The United uh, UL is, re- is certifying RECs. International Renewable Energy Credits, or IRECs, is an international REC standard. So all these standards are kind of regulating the issuance of RECs and, and so forth. So this is to energy what uh, uh, organic stamps are on, on food that, that lefties like me buy at the, at the grocery store. I suppose you could look at it that way. I actually liken it to the dollar bill I can earn in I in Hawaii. I'll take and I that. Get Thank paid you very a much. Piece of paper, and I can take that piece of paper. It's a certificate that says on it, uh, "This note is legal tender for all debts, public and That's private." That's a great point. I can take it to Maine, and someone in Maine will accept it as payment. Right. That's because they trust really the no fact that they, yeah, that's right. They, they trust, trust the system. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so that's something I think that we're going to 
learn more and more about as our power company is involved with more and more wrecks and we have uh, and we have companies come to Georgia like Facebook, like Google, like Johnson and Johnson, like Target, others who say, you know what, we want to make sure that the energy coming, you know, onto our building, you know, was, you know, was was you know, created through, uh, you know, a solar panel or, or through wind or through biomass or through hydraulic, hydroelectricity. What so about an offset? What yeah. about what about nuclear energy being being renewable? Do oh, you, boy. Do you do you see nuclear energy that's zero nuclear? Zero. I can't say that word, but I, I sure can vote for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that's right. <laughs> do you do you see nuclear energy as as being, I need a speech therapist here for our next guest. Uh, do you see? Do you see nuclear energy as being something that eventually gets Rex? Well, you know, Exelon nope. tried to do that. Uh, they tried to create what they called a clean energy credit up in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I think with the nukes that they had up there, um, and it didn't really go over very well. Uh, I, just saying that not a lot of subscribers signed up for it. Ah, the uh, free market. The free market spoke. made a ah, decision. Ah, that's fascinating. Huh. But huh. I have to Be say nice. that, you know, part of it is is people want renewable, and uh -huh. we didn't define what was just clean energy and should get a clean energy credit. We ex accepted the EPA's definition of renewable energy, and when they launched the Green Power Partnership Program in 2001, we followed that and said, okay. We will supply renewable energy certificates to meet the renewable energy demands. I suppose if you had a separate agency, maybe DOE or someone set up a clean energy credit and they could get a following of companies that said, we'll buy clean energy credits from nuclear. Great. We're not the police. We don't police that. We simply are the marketplace for the exchange of these energy attributes like RECs and carbon and so forth. But I do want to say something. I'm, I'm not trying to... to uh, say that we're we're anti-environment uh, or anti-market because we don't support nuclear. I think we have an issue with carbon, and it's a big one. And I, you know, I, I don't really know how we're going to do it without some kind of baseload generation like nuclear to carry us through. Long story short, we're not in the business of putting nuke in business or nuclear out of business. That's a different set of policies. We're a renewable energy company promoting renewable energy for the purposes of people that want to yeah. buy it and i do think in the future there will be some kind of cap and trade or carbon tax i do think yeah. it's coming it's not going to happen under president it trump it, it won't happen under president pence uh, you know but Sorry. and, uh, and it won't happen that. under president purdue uh, but i i don't <laughs> but eventually when i'm really it's old getting worse when i'm really old <laughs> this could happen john mcfarland john mcfarland well, carbon carbon the carbon uh the carbon tax was actually something first promoted by Republicans. Oh my goodness! Oh, I, oh my goodness! Yeah, I got to stand it. it. I'm a. I believe it was Here actually am. under the Reagan administration yeah. first brought up the, oh, the somebody, concept yeah. of somebody throw using, him out yeah. the back door <laughs> using the market Here's the door. Yeah, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Is. Well, look. When we come back, more arguing about what's best for Georgia and America. More conversation uh, with. Alden Hathaway from Sterling Energy Assets. I'm Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters, made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706-795-2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It's, it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Hey, welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm your host, Tim Eccles, and in the studio with me, my co-host, John Knoll, who is an energy expert and former state representative. And John, we've got a hot seat uh, here in the studio, and we've uh, 
we've moved John McFarlane out for revealing to me that um, that a Republican Thankfully. candidate had had somehow come up with a cap and trade idea. So yeah. so we kind of booted John out and we got him in timeout. We've added, <laughs> we've uh, you've got him in timeout. Yeah. yeah. So we've got yeah. Kevin Kershey, both a UGA undergrad and UGA masters guy who runs the sustainability department over there kevin welcome to energy matters thank you very much it's great to be here yeah and thanks for all you've done we're going to get in get into this and uh wrapping up uh, wrapping up this segment uh with us is alden hathaway it's great to be here tim and i'm i'm excited to have you because i just learned in an earlier segment that uh that i could buy rex from my for my residence from sterlingplanet.com. I think it cuts out the middleman, but it's cheaper. Anyway, I, I, you, you, you say cheap, and I get excited. John, this segment of Energy Matters is brought to us by the Racy Anderson Highway, uh, that 18-mile stretch of highway going from the Alabama State Solar Line powered. up to LaGrange. Yeah, and at exit 14, they've got about a megawatt of solar. They're going to have some pollinator plants there, bees and butterflies, which I hope don't get crashed by windshields going along the highway <laughs> we'll see how that Oops. goes <laughs> but but uh there's not a lot going on at exit 14 so hopefully that and that works. visitor center's powered from the solar which is pretty cool you got right? the solar tree mm-hmm. you got the the white way solar in the right of way so we uh, thank the right. roadway mm-hmm. yeah and we've got the we've got the tire checker thing on the back side uh, as well you can ride through and it checks your tire so thanks to Allie kelly and harriet langford i'll put a video out that i did actually of that site uh, i'll put it out on twitter um that talking about all that i did a little video i'll put, put that video up on uh, my new energy guy yeah at new energy guy and i'm at tim eccles kevin uh you guys on twitter at all over there uh, at uga we are we're uh on all social media at uh, sustainable uga sustainable uga cool great well, uh, we're talking RECs, uh, Renewable Energy Certificates, and uh, we often talk about you being able to get continuing education credit just by listening to our show. But there's one other thing I wanted to, to talk to Alden about before he gets out of here um, in, this, in this episode, and that is these, uh, these white tags. And explain a little bit about, uh, about these energy efficiency certificates. How does that work? So, uh, considering that renewable energy certificates are currency for renewable energy, uh, what's the currency for energy efficiency? White tax. Uh, that's my interest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, the only thing is, it's easy to measure renewable energy because you got the energy source, and you just when it's generating energy, you measure it. But how do you measure energy efficiency? You got to baseline the buildings. So, what they would have used if you didn't put energy efficiency technology in there, and the value of the reduction of energy in the megawatt hour amount. 1,000 kilowatt hours of energy savings is one white tag. Uh, we actually are delivering white tags in a contract we have with Southern California Edison in which we bid to lower their load in an area that they needed to lower the load because they had shut down a nuclear plant there nearby uh, by uh, 17 megawatts of load. And we're delivering that through me- uh, through white tags. Kevin, let me ask you, uh, you guys have built a lot of new buildings at UGA uh, dorms, uh, other buildings, uh, science building. Are, are you building to a higher energy efficiency standard these days? We are. We're uh, tracking along ASHRAE 189.1, um, generally looking to exceed um, code compliance in Georgia by 10% or greater. Um, and that equates to installing e- efficient heating and cooling systems, lighting systems, um, good building envelopes. Uh, so energy efficiency really is a priority with new construction. We're also um, systematically, as we're able, going back and retrofitting existing buildings. So in a dorm where students are there, do they have control over their own HVAC system, or is that being done you know, from a central uh, office? That's, that's a great question, uh, and it varies in different dorms. Some residence halls allow the occupants a little more control than others. Um, a little more a, a little more, right. right. So there's so a band with which Not complete allowed. control. Not complete right. control right. Right. in, in any cases. Still wants <laughs> that's right, but, uh, but some actually have in-room thermostats where people have a, a range uh, at which they're able. that's reasonable, it seems to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it helps us to, to kind of maintain some control, but still also allow the occupant uh, some freedom and flexibility. Yeah. What about other areas uh, on buildings uh, when it comes to water or waste? Uh, are there things kind of where you're leading the charge on that? Well, we, uh, we 
had a real focus on um, both uh, reducing energy use, uh, reducing water use, and uh, and reducing waste on campus. Um, gosh, there's there's a there's a lot there. Um, from an energy perspective, UGA has reduced our energy use by about our energy use intensity by about 22 percent since 2007. Um, some of the big factors leading to that are um, movement to district energy plants and removing uh, aging chillers. Um, LED lights. LED lighting, right? Big. So LED lighting, it's a standard in new construction, but we also have a, a lighting retrofit program um, where we put aside a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to systematically go through existing buildings, uh, particularly common areas and, and large um, that have longer burn hours, you have more opportunity for that. Exactly. Uh, so and we, we put our team of electricians to, to work when the uh, when they have space in between other projects, they prioritize um, moving across campus building to building and, and replacing our, our uh, LED lights. Alden, let me ask you about universities that you work with uh, around the country, trends that you're seeing in you know either schools, colleges, or universities. Are they becoming more energy conscious? Are they wanting to generate their own power, renewable energy? Are they buying recs? What's, what's going on in the educational community? Well, well all of the above. Uh, there's a, a major cons, uh, concerted effort by the president's universities and colleges around the country to lower their carbon footprint. And they're doing that through any number of mechanisms. And many, most of them started with their physical facilities to get energy use down at all the buildings around grounds. And uh, of course, now we're seeing them add renewable energy to a number of those buildings. But we're also seeing universities begin to get into uh, the carbon uh, reduction force by changing how they fertilize their lawns or plant trees in the riparian buffer zones along creeks that go into river sheds and they're getting carbon credit for that. And it all nice. goes to their bottom line to reduce huh. their footprint. We work with universities to help them achieve their sustainability. Hey, goals. let's pull John McFarlane out of timeout oh. uh, and back right. and, and back into the, the back into the conversation. Uh, John, uh, I, I saw you set up in your chair when we started talking about universities, colleges, and schools, and I, I guess you guys have commissioned stuff there as well. Yeah, we do. We do a lot of work in the higher higher education and even K through twelve, and and all of them are really looking at at how they can be more sustainable in their practices both from a landscaping standpoint, how they can reuse landscaping materials on campus, and on the energy side. I mean, look, they've got a lot of buildings, a lot of square footage, existing buildings that aren't going down. They're not going to tear down. They're going to keep them. So they're making them more efficient, and they're really, they're really focusing on all aspects of sustainability, energy, water, the, the materials. Um, and at the end of the day, it's about making a, for a better environment for their students because so they're competing been- for students, and they've got to have – They've got to be cutting edge there, and you got to be green, and we get that. If you if you benchmark it, and he does a program, if Kevin, if John McFarlane of Working Buildings and Kevin of, of UGA do uh, an environmental program and it's big enough, would Sterling Planet write some white tags on it? Well, that's exactly. I was hoping we we're going to get to that point because white tags allow the, the the student body, for instance, at a university, to find all the low hanging fruit they can find and convert it to uh, save energy. Uh, because it's a market-based approach, we don't care where the energy was saved. We just are con- uh, concerned by how much, wow. and so we can look at anything that can reduce that energy use and white tag it. How do you? I mean, how do you get a student who is not paying the power bill, right? Who's not really thinking about, you know, a, a sustainability footprint, or how do you get them to care about turning the light off uh, or not leaving their lamp on? Uh, Kevin, I mean, how do you raise awareness with, with a student body who's, who's not actually getting a power bill? That's a great question. One of, one of the things I'm most proud of, actually, is the, our student engagement. Our students are passionate about sustainability, about reducing energy use, about um, reducing carbon emissions, and really they're, they're uh, still optimistic and, and passionate uh, that they really can make a difference and they really can save this, this planet that we all love and inhabit. Uh, so our students are um, they're coming to us with ideas I mean there's still you know we've got great faculty across campus in all disciplines that are incorporating sustainability into academic curricula um, <clears throat> but our students they're fired up and they're passionate and they're coming to us looking for ways to get involved and helping kids understand this stuff is so important Kevin and I'm, I'm glad you guys are engaged with that Alden I, I can't let you get away without talking about some of the cool charity work related to energy that you guys have done in Africa and other places. Tell us about that. Well, so uh, 
the Sterling Planet has supported our work in Africa through several nonprofits. Uh, they support an international mission school in uh, Sierra Leone, and they uh, contracted with uh, another nonprofit that uh, I support, Soul Life for Africa, uh, and they support that as well to put solar in that school to provide uh, electricity for the the children there. It's become one of the top schools in Sierra Leone. Uh, but the big crush of raising funds uh, for solar electrification gave us an idea some years ago, and that is to take that initiative that you said students have to do more. We found there's a tremendous interest to do things overseas, to bring energy to people that's never had energy, to bring light to people that have never had light. And so we take, uh, we've been running now 20 years, and Sterling is, is behind the supporting this, taking kids to Africa to literally put the lights in to places that never seen electric light before, uh, only had kerosene, to put uh, turn water spigots on to places that never had clean water before. Uh, and that's something that we've been doing uh, now regularly with kids because they have the ability not only to, to be enthusiastic about it, but they help raise the money that actually makes it happen. Tell us where we can find more information about that. Yes, www.solarlightforafrica.org. Solar Light. Uh, solarlightforafrica.org, cool. yes. Great. Well, John, uh, it's, it's exciting to hear about what's going on locally here at UGA and in Sierra Leone and, and other places. There's just uh, some fantastic, fantastic projects. Fantastic stuff. So, Kevin, thanks for being with us today. And, Alden, uh, thanks for your sponsorship of the show and all the great things that you're doing with companies all over that you all have done really for years and years and years. So we appreciate you. Thank you. I'm Tim Eccles, my co-host John Noel. Uh, You're listening to Energy Matters, and we hope you have a great weekend. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.